space. Final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we've got some breaking Trek news now. Uh, for anyone who's watching on the live stream, this has just hit the internet within the last half hour, hour or so. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, you probably already know this, so apologies. But the good news is the people at Paramount Plus seem to have listened to the backlash from the international fans and have taken some steps to making Discovery Season 4 available. As we understand it at the minute, the plan is this. If your country has Paramount+, Plus, Discovery is going to debut on there immediately, um, whereas I think the plan before was to wait and roll it out when the global rollout took place, but that's not the case anymore. You're going to get Discovery straight away. And if you don't have Paramount+, Plus in your country, it's going to be shown... We're not entirely sure on this one yet, but what they've said so far is it's going to be on Pluto TV and it's going to air, implying that it's going to be a, in inverted commas, live broadcast on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night at 9pm, whatever your local time is. Whether it'll be on their on-demand catch-up service or not, we don't know at the moment. We're going to try that out at the weekend and see what well, happens there. Pluto TV is a free service. Yep. And it's available so the, on. So no one has to go out and go. Oh, it's gonna. It's available now international. But I've got to buy this. No, Pluto TV is a free streaming service. Yeah. So if anything, the people who've not got Paramount Plus have actually got a bit of a better deal here. But to sweeten the deal a little bit, if your country does have Paramount Plus and you're thinking of signing up to it, they're running a kind of an apology. Um, <laughs> offer at the minute so if you put in the code i believe it's star trek all in caps but do double check it um if you put the code star trek in you get something like three months for 50 percent um so to me this is paramount viacom whatever you want to call them admitting that they dropped a massive bollock with this and well they did drop a massive bollock but something that we you don't get often with these companies is that that they have done is to fill the hands up and gone, look, we've dropped a massive bollock and we're doing what we can with what services we do have yeah. internationally to put it right and make sure that you can see. Yeah, it's, it is good that they've listened and they've done something about it. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently it's not available in the Netherlands. I don't know if that affects any other countries. So it's not a, it, it's not available in 100% of the countries that had it on Netflix. Um, so it, it's not the perfect solution, but it's much better than where we were a week ago when we did the last yeah. episode. Like, to be fair, they've done, like, Disney took absolutely no notice of the international market mm. with The Mandalorian, did they? None at all. And I think that probably impacted day one sign-ups for, yeah. for Disney+. Plus. Um, particularly when they decided to roll it out weekly, even though it had been available in America for months at that time. But there you go. Anyway. Yeah, that's what I mean. At least Paramount have actually listened to yeah. us as an audience and done something about it to say, sorry, we fucked up. And the great thing is, yeah, you, you're going to be able to watch Discovery. We managed to, as um, on the description on our Facebook page says, Fortunately, we were able to get hold of a copy of the premiere through our contacts in the Bajoran militia, um, who fortunately, because of Pluto TV now, will not have to put themselves in danger next week. So, But we, we thank them uh, for getting us yeah. this copy. So we are going to be covering that. But first of all, we've got the quarter the mid, season. mid-season break. The mid-mid-season break, the quarter-season yeah. break, the quarter-season finale, whatever you want to call it, of um, Prodigy, which is called Terra Firma, but it's terror as in terror. Scary. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure there was an episode of Discovery last season called Terra Firma, um, yeah. spelt T-E-R-R-A, so 
yeah, you've got to have that different puntastic spelling in order to get away with repeating a title. Um, having said that, we had the emissary in Next Gen and then emissary in DS9. Yeah. And we also it had didn't... First Contact the episode, First Contact the movie. So this isn't the first time we've reused titles. Yeah, yeah they're not averse to uh, copying names again, Re- reusing them. No, Unification Part 3... So, yeah, definitely. Um, So, yes, this is the sort of finale. And I I don't know whether whether this was intended as a as a mid mid season finale or not but i think it works i think the it works as a mid mid season finale it yeah. ties up this the beginning yeah yeah it finishes off the some of the character arcs we've got it gets the it gets to the stage where gwyn's integrated into the crew now yeah so we we've got the team together working as a team and we've obviously got that big reveal which we'll we'll get to um, so we pick up pretty much bang on where we left off. They're stranded on the planet, apparently they're 10 kilometres away. So this episode basically is going to be the team trying to get across these 10 kilometres despite the planet trying to kill them. Um, because yeah, it, it's... Like, like almost straight away we do get an answer to one of our questions. Janeway's on the ship and she starts pressing buttons. Yep, there we go. So yeah, that... she can use the controls. And um, we do find out a little bit more about Janeway in this one as well. Like, she's obviously not fully integrated into the ship because she needs to get something on the view screen in order to see what's going on at the back of the ship. Yeah. So she's not integrated into the sensors. Yeah, and she doesn't have full control of everything. She, no. She really does only have... Like, this sort of answers one of the questions where she said she could only access lower systems. Yeah. To let them do things or not, but this proves no, she can't act, access IA level systems. But she does get to sit in the captain's seat, which is yeah. obviously where Janeway <laughs> belongs. So that's pretty cool. And in terms of the the rest of the characters, then we've got Dal wants to abandon Gwyn, uh, but Rock doesn't. Rock's trying to actually help her. But then Gwyn uses what I'm going to continue calling the changeling until we're told explicitly it's not yeah, a changeling. Like this episode, it looks, it still continues to look and act as if it's a baby changeling. Yeah. And she uses it this time to help her walk, basically. It turns into leg braces, effectively. Yeah. And I like when they're talking about what are we going to call the planet, and um, Jank and Pog wants to call it Murder Planet. Yeah, which I think is quite reasonable. <laughs> yeah, it does what it says on the tin, definitely. Um, but Rock wants to call it Larry instead, which is nice. <laughs> and then, yeah, Janeway back on the ship then, she says, what would the real Janeway do? And my snarky side always wants to come out and say something like, oh, well, she'd probably kill two Vicks, but um, I'm going <laughs> to let that go. Cuppa. Yeah, instead she gets a cup of coffee. Have a cup of coffee. And she cleans she's house. She's been having a coffee all the time. Yeah. She that's a good tick that they've given the the Janeway hologram that somebody's obviously gone when they've programmed it, they've obviously gone, What what what's Captain Janeway's trademark? She likes a coffee, let's put that in. Yeah. And um she's not allowed to shut down this protostar system. So we, yeah, we, well, she starts looking at it like the plant things from the planet are, are destroying all the plasma, so mm. she's losing energy. And she, what's destroying all this energy? And she doesn't even know what it is. Yeah. So it is, I mean, we, we've had it as a mystery, and Zero even talks about it later in this episode, where Zero says, oh, they made it a mystery for me. And we talked about this last week, but it's made explicit here, like that, yeah. That's been bugging me. I've wanted to know what it is, and that's why the planet made it into that. And we we start to get the answer at the end of this episode, don't we? I think you know that's why it's a good mid mid season finale. Yeah, because oh, definitely. We get the reveal, like, but we don't yeah, get the questions like we do answered. Get, we get Jane going through things. She goes, "Well, if I can't do that, what can I do?" Right. Let's start with switch off the replicators, which is and she's doing the right things here with. What she's got access to, mm-hmm. she's shutting them down. Yeah, to keep the ship, keep the ship functional, but it doesn't need all these other things. Yeah, and she did the same on Voyager. 
she started by shutting down replicators and stuff. They she did. Never shut down the whole deck. But they, they always give us well, some rubbish. sometimes. Yeah, they always they tell us... They had rations apart from uh, Fairhaven, which could be on constant. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they always come out with some rubbish like, oh, well, it's on a different power grid, so yeah. you're allowed to run it all the time because we need holodeck stories, so it's fine. <laughs> and then... I talked about this when we looked at the first episode, how Dreadnought is basically a Necron from Warhammer 40k. This big spider thing that attacks them, this is another Necron. So I don't know if Games Workshop have got a deal going with Paramount or whether Paramount are just unaware, but they really need to be checking the copyright a little bit here because anyone who collects Warhammer 40k miniatures... This is just Necrons, and Necrons are my army. I'm a big fan of Necrons, but yeah, this right, is... I don't play Warhammer, so... Well, basically, if you wanted a model of Dreadnought and you wanted a model of this big thing that attacks them, you can go buy them at Games you Workshop could, right. right now. <laughs> They'll be in the Necron section. Um, and Necrons are cool designs. I'm not taking it away from them, but it's it's a little bit too close for comfort, really. Um, and then, to get away from it, they jump off a cliff. And I'm only mentioning this because this is definitely jumping off a cliff week. And we'll, <laughs> we'll get onto that when we cover the Discovery premiere. Then, we've got a Klingon, what looks like a Klingon bird of prey. Um, yeah! Now, I couldn't tell because part of it's, like, crashed and overgrown and stuff. I couldn't tell whether it's the traditional bird of prey or maybe... Maybe it's that variant they have in Enterprise, the slightly smaller, slightly smaller it, it's one. It's really hard to say, because the Bird of Prey has always been whatever size the writers want. Yeah, yeah, be. exactly. So it, I, it's, a, it's a really bizarre, bizarrely used. There's no continuity no, with the size. No, it started off as a crew of 12, but then... I think it, I think it ranges from... I think it's about 65 metres long to somewhere around 750 metres long, depending yeah. on which uh, show it's in and which thing. Yeah, because when we get them in next gen, it's nearly as big as the Enterprise D, yeah. but it, it's a 12-man ship in Star Trek Yeah, Bar, but exactly. Anyway, so the, it, it looks very Klingon Bird of prey anyway, which brings us back again to one of the central mysteries of this series is where are all these Alpha Quadrant species coming from? We've got to assume it's the caretaker. Yeah, I, I'm still going with, like, there's no reason why a Klingon ship couldn't have been brought over by the caretaker. No, absolutely not. And, you know, they were operating in that area of space. They could have been in the Badlands. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it it absolutely makes well, sense. But I don't, I don't think there's any anything that even says that the caretaker was only taken from the Badlands. I think it was no, taken from everywhere. You're right. That's something I've just always assumed. But but yeah. yeah, no, you're right. There's nothing to say. It wasn't yeah. And then we start to sort of move forward the story of Gwyn and Dal a little bit. And it's weird because they started off seeming like they were good mates in the first episode, and then. We sort of got a few sort of contradictory things, and then they seem to be as far apart as they have been in this episode. But then it, we're starting bringing them back together now. They're sort of bonding yeah, now, over. I've like I've said this before. I think a lot of this is that Gwen is actually lonely. He doesn't yeah. think of herself as his cap, as his uh, as his guard, his prison guard, his captor. Yeah, I think so, and I think Dal. He sees her. He sees her that way. But when he was a prisoner. He had no alternative than how to talk to her. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, he can't see past that, but she yeah. kind of can. And I think they do start to come together here, like the the kind of bonding over parental issues. Yeah, they, They've got different parental issues, but th- <laughs> there is it does start to draw them together a little bit. And she does give us a little clue about the changeling here. Like she says, it's an heirloom. And a dad gave her it. It's been handed yeah. down. So I'm perfectly happy to go with that the the diviner is a bit of a dodgy guy anyway. I would not be surprised if his family have kept a changeling captive and made it into yeah, a weapon. if they found that it's got them properties, especially if they found it as a baby. Yeah. 
And we find out, yes, yeah, she has got a psychic connection to it, which we figured from last week anyway. But it's obviously something we are going to find out more about. Yeah. At some point. And then Dal comes to this realisation we're going to use the stars to guide us because it's it's all been a bit Blair Witch Project-y up to this point. It's like we're still walking, but we're not getting there. But it, yeah, it's the planet's a, moving, changing around them, which is where Terraformer come, Terraformer absolutely, comes from. Absolutely, yeah. It's a good idea, is that, that you've got this living planet and it's just yeah. messing with them. <laughs> it's making yeah, it so it's just moving the mountain that they're heading towards around. yeah. And I like, I think this shows the the developing bond between them that Dal does one of his sort of fake captain's logs, but he actually acknowledges that she helped him come to this, yeah. this realisation. And up until this point, Dal's been very sort of me, me, me. And the fact that he gives her that acknowledgement and she smiles when he does it, I think that's telling us now, okay, that the issue... It may not be completely gone. We might come back to it, but certainly we're not. We've moved on from she's going to be their captive, and there's going to be all this antagonism now. We're, yeah. we're getting them together as a crew, and obviously that comes back at the end of the episodes. Gwyn ends up getting caught by the vines, and the you get this bit where the diviners got to choose between the ship. And his daughter. Oh, his daughter. And he very quickly chooses the ship. I know we're only working with a 25-minute episode, but there is yeah, no minanari. He, he sort of looks and it's like, yeah, there's no, no, no contest here. No. The ship. And, of and course, he even admits it to her later. Yeah, he does. He says, I have no choice. And he's like, oh, you kind of did some, you know. you. Yeah. It's not like the, the ship... Your daughter was potentially going to be killed here. Yeah, it, it's not like the ship was going anywhere, you know, literally. It's covered in yeah. vines. And, of course, the irony is that it wasn't the ship at all. And we pull one of these fake-outs, which... it The one I always think of is Silence of the Lambs, where they have the sequence where the FBI are raiding Buffalo Bill's house. And it has him going to the door and answering the door. Then when he answers the door, it's just Clarice Starling and... The scenes we've yeah. been watching with the FBI are actually, they've gone to the wrong house. And, yeah, it is a good fake-out. It, it generally tends to work. I think this one, it didn't work for me, so I thought, yeah, it's going to be a fake ship because we know that the planet shows you what you desire. So What you desire is, and he desires the ship. Yeah, it seemed pretty obvious, but it's a nice fake-out. And... Then, obviously, they get back on the ship. They go back for Gwyn. But I thought it was interesting that the way that's framed is they go onto the ship. Janeway says, where's Gwyn? Then the next thing we see is I'm going to rescue her. So we don't actually see who made the decision to go and save Gwyn. We don't see whether Dal went, she's down there, we're going to go back for her, or whether Janeway said, you are going to go rescue her. And I don't... I think Dal has to have said that we're going for her now because Janeway can't make them decisions. She can guide them and say what to do. Yeah, but she could have guilt-tripped him, you know. She could have yeah. laid it on thick. We, I, I don't know whether it's deliberate that we don't see that, whether we're going to get a conversation about it later on, maybe. Um, I mean, we don't need to see it for the episode. The implication is there that Janeway says, where's Gwyn, and then they decide to go rescue her. But then they go for her. But I found it interesting that we don't actually see the conversation. So that if they want to go back and pick that up, they can do. But it's it's not necessary for the drama, but it's a nice... There's a nice bit of dramatic space there if they want to mine that later on. I think it's maybe one of them things, because it's for a younger audience, it doesn't need to be it. Yeah, it doesn't need to be, but you could always... They could always dredge it, up, it. dredge it up later on. Like, if they want Gwyn and Dal to fall out again, you can always have someone say, well, he didn't want to save you. It was the rest of the crew that said, you know, so yeah. we, <laughs> we can always do that if we want to. Um, what I found really interesting as well is that Gwyn sits in the captain's chair. Now, obviously, she'd been sat in it as a prisoner, but up until this point, it's been Dal saying, I'm the captain, I'm sitting in the yeah. chair. But here it's Gwyn, and 
I have to say, I think the captain's chair suits Gwyn better at this stage than it does Dal, given... Yeah, I don't think Dal's fit for being the captain. No, Gwyn comes across much but more mature. And... I'm not sure if there's one um, who, up until recently, had imprisoned them as their captain. Maybe either. not. So maybe we'll have a bit of a struggle for the chair further down the line. I don't know. And then, obviously, we're warping away. We've got the Necron monolith chasing us, also available at Games Workshop. <laughs> and um, they need to go faster, which is where we find out it's not just called the Protostar, it's got a Protostar that powers it. Yeah. And this is yeah, where we see... Yeah, the... like, the reveal is, like, it's a containment uh, chain holding a Protostar. Yeah. Now, I thought the, they do say a different type of warp, don't they? They, they call it something else warp. I, yeah, I, I didn't I catch it. Like, I've only actually seen the episodes once this week. I've not right. done my normal big watch. I'm not, I'm not at home this week, so it's been really awkward well, to do things. <laughs> well, this is it, you know, and also for the reasons we discussed earlier on, it's not been as easy to catch Star Trek this yeah. week, but um, um, hopefully next week. I thought they called it the Proto Drive. They could have done, yeah. They, I mean, they do but, reference that, but the, it's not entirely clear, I don't think, whether this is a new type of drive or whether it's just that the, the, the energy of the protostar is that supercharged that it just makes the warp engines go faster. Um, I think it's a new type of drive. I think it probably is. Um, um, I think that's why that's why it's an NX shape, <coughs> and I've got I've got suspicions because in Discovery they say that they look for other alternatives to warp the yeah. warp drives, and I haven't got anything. So this is an experimental ship. So I've got reasons to believe that the Protostar will never get back to Federation space in this story. Yeah, yeah, and also but these are. Strictly speaking, a Federation crew from Federation space. No, that's true. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where it goes. And, you and, know, and if they did just go back to Federation space, that's just redoing Voyager, really. Yeah, so we've done true. Voyager. I love, I love Voyager, but... Yeah, we've done it. But... We don't need Voyager to be done again. <laughs> no. It, it's definitely different because, yeah, the, there's no reason for this crew to have a desire to go there necessarily. Yeah. So... Yeah, it, it's a good... It's not a, a cliffhanger as such. No, um, but it, 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 it's a tie-up that Gwyn becomes part of the crew and, we've, and we get the lovely reveal of what the yeah, Protostar is. that's it. It's, and, it's we, a, and we see it go into the Proto Drive where all the back of the ship changes and yeah. it's a big engine. <laughs> it is a big engine. And they say as well... Well, it does. The back of the ship just turns into a huge engine. Which is really aimed at kids. Yeah, oh yeah. Is that sort of thing. And again, it's, it'll make a good toy. Like, it's um, oh, Rick Steinbeck, who designed Voyager. There's an interview with him where he's talking about Voyager and the um, producers asked him to put a moving part on mm. because it was sort of like the time of Transformers were all arranged yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that at the time. And he was sort of, no, we can't make the ship into a Transformer. And he got away with the moving the cells. Yeah. And I think that was enough then. But hey, this I, is getting towards the Transformer now. Oh, I, I'm up for that, though. I mean... It, <laughs> and I love it. I, <laughs> and it is, but this is also where it's aimed at a younger audience. Yeah. But this is a much cooler way of going into really fast speed than the spinning pizza disc. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm loving this. I am going to buy this toy of the Protostar when it comes out, so... You've got the front, the back half is your transformer. You do that, that's brilliant. You open your landing bay and you get that little um speeder thing that they had as well. This yeah, is gonna be it. this is gonna be an awesome toy. Please make it a little bit cheaper than the Playmobil Enterprise. Yeah, but please don't give it to to Playmobil. No. The license to Playmobil. Having having said that, the Playmobil Enterprise already has dropped in price by 110 quid. So, so far. it was always going to cost it one yep. sell so, uh, it was. I think another another 200, 250 price drop and we might be talking. But um <laughs> anyway, the protostar toy is gonna be awesome. So we'll leave yeah, but, 
yeah, the protostar did look cool when it went into the auto drive. So uh, hopefully, and it just left them standing, and it's like they're not on our sensors at all anymore. They're gone. <laughs> yeah, that was the now, other thing. Yes, I wonder, I wonder if that's the last we will see of the Diviner. If that is, maybe I think it'd be a little bit disappointing if it was, and. I don't know. You would you hire John Noble as the? No, they've got to go back and save the little cat. I mean, yeah. they, they've got to do. There's a cute little kitten down on that planet. The, well, the that's it. I, there's there's the potential for a couple more characters to come into this. Yeah. So there's the cute little there's the cute little cat, and there's also the baby changeling. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the second half of the first half of season one when yeah, we get that. When, when's that? Is that in January? January, January yeah. We get, the, I think, the last two episodes of Discovery are going to have a crossover. Um, and then we're going to get, like, three episodes standalone of Prodigy and then probably Picard. Um, so let's look at the start of Discovery then. So season four, up until... Very recently, not available in the rest of the world, but hopefully, prob- possibly by the time everything's you- been put right. Yeah, by the time you're listening to this, it could well be. So um, it's not as elusive as it once was, but yeah, yeah the season four opening episode. Now, I just want to say you've only watched it the once. I- I've managed to watch it twice, and I think this really benefits from a second view in this episode. Because right. the the first time I enjoyed it, I just w- I just want to say something here. I called something out at the end of season three. You did. I said Burnham is now a delivery girl. And... She's a delivery driver. And how's it open? We've spent the last six months delivering dilithium. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're galaxy. right. You're absolutely nailed it on that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's. Compared to what we've had in Discovery for the first three seasons, this is a relatively low-key opening episode, I think. Like, season one, obviously, it's the pilot, so it's it's big. It's yeah. got to introduce everything. Season two, we brought in the Enterprise, we brought in Pike. That's a really big episode. Season three's our first episode in a whole new millennia, so yeah. that's going to be huge. This one is the first, possibly the first episode of Discovery that just kind of feels like business as usual. Continuation, continuation yeah. from the previous season. The, this is just... Oh, just continuing business as usual. Yeah, this is the crew of the Discovery. Michael's the captain. It's taken us three seasons to get there, but this feels like the most sort of normal that we've got from Discovery. Um <clears throat> But I think when I went back and watched the episode again, it does do a really good job of setting up a hell of a lot of things. And there's a lot going on in this episode. So right. we'll we'll take a look at it. Um, first of all, the, the, the opening sequence is just showing off. Like, we get a really nice special effects shot of Discovery, of Buck's ship leaving it. It decides to fly over it so that it can do the breaking apart, coming back together. That's just showing off. Didn't need it, to do that. It is, but it's like totally un- unnecessary. I can't understand. I can't. It looks cool, but I can't work out why it's doing it. Oh yeah, What's there's the no need for it? it. I think it's just to remind the audience that Buck's ship can do this, in case you've forgotten. Um, in between seasons, and then. We zoom down into the planet and we see all the rocks and formations. and it, So it's a, it's a real show-off special effects sequence to yeah. open the episode, which is fine. And then we pretty then we, much... Then we switch to the start of um, Into Darkness. Yeah, exactly. The, it, we've got this set up where we're doing first contact. And for me... It's well, a, it isn't first contact; it's recontact because the true, yeah. The Federation have been they have been part of the Federation. You're right, yeah. Um, I think it's trying a bit too hard to be a bit too goofy. This whole sequence, like you've got all this, the sort of talking to the natives and Buck starts giving them a bit of grief, and 
you're like, okay, I get that it's meant to be a sort of funny introduction, but it's not very good from Burnham's point of view. Like, I'll take my boyfriend down and he'll start giving him shit, like... And it does yeah. go wrong. You know, she manages to salve it, yeah. salvage it, but like, it goes very wrong. Like, how he's carrying on as if this is as if this is almost the first mission they've been on like this. Yeah. But they've been doing this for six months. Yeah. It's because it, I think, though, it's implied that she doesn't always take books. She's like, I took you for this because of your empathy thing, which he doesn't do. Yeah. So it doesn't really help. And. The, there's little bits that are meant to be funny, like... Yeah, but, but my whole point is, though, that all they have done for between seasons is deliver dilithium and really yeah. contact races. So why is he, it, why is he in, sort of being funny about it and not letting her get on with diplomacy? Yeah. Because this is what they've been doing. It, it, it just plays wrong to me. It does. It, it does plays mean... as if this is the first mission. Yeah. And it, like com- that. it comes across sort of very amateurish. And yeah. I know there it's a setup so we can have a chase and everything. And th- there is some interesting stuff about language. And we get a bit of this later on in the episode as well, where it's, oh, um, she says, no strings attached. And she says, oh, it's a euphemism. And so it establishes that the they don't, even though they're speaking through the universal translators, that the meaning of certain things isn't necessarily the same between the cultures. Yeah. And, and then we get this bit about Grudge being a queen and they're like, well, we must rescue the queen. And, you know, it it sort of works, but it does. it's yeah. just a bit too goofy for me. And then they jump off a cliff, which is, yeah, our second cliff jump of the week. And, yeah, very, very much the start of Into Darkness. And... The the butterfly people, which is a cool effect, but it's a little bit weird. But it does get to show how how well Michael's doing as a captain in terms of getting the crew on the case. Right, work this out for me. Get a yeah. deer on it. Do that. And they, they all come together as a crew. They work it all out. We need to fix these satellites. Yeah, the, the planet's <laughs> moved off its, off its magnetic... Uh, yeah. Access so they have planets do, yeah. So they've lost the ability to navigate properly because they yeah. rely on the magnetic fields, which is fair enough. And they we have a satellite network that needs the dilithium to work. And then fixing it is a good a good way of doing this recontact. And yeah, it finishes with a really good line where she says, "We're the Federation. That's what we do." You know that that's really good. But I think it it's just tonally the start of this bit doesn't really work. and Well, you get the impression <coughs> by how these are towards the Federation that they have been part of the Federation and left the Federation mm. because of how the Federation was acting. Yeah. And, like, I get the impression that, like, they've got the dilithium in their satellite network and, obviously, it's not being active during the burn or they've mm. all blown up. So it's as if someone's stolen it and, I, and you almost think... Well, did the Federation maybe take they, the dial if you want? Yeah, maybe, maybe they did when they needed Or Yeah, or would it have blown up? No, it wouldn't have blown up because it was it was just that it became inert. The the ships only blew yeah. up because they, they had warp cars. Um, so, yeah, I like what they're trying to do with making the contact, but I think I'd have rather they just played this more diplomatically rather than doing a goofy action I sequence. I think the goofy scene in. Like, yeah, I think they want you to go, oh, great, we're back with Discovery and we're having fun and we're running round. And and it's like, yeah, but it's at the expense of making Burnham look a little bit incompetent and a little bit a little bit too silly for all of it. And the, the, we don't have a massive problem with Burnham, though, you know, we have criticised some elements of a character and some elements of a development and we'll continue to do so. Yeah, but... There's no way they cannot be aware that there are elements of the fandom that have these issues with Michael. And I think things like this really don't help. Anyone who's got an issue with Michael Burnham, the character, can point to the start of this and go, well, look at that. You know, she took a boyfriend, yeah. he started giving him shit. And I just don't think it helps. I think 
throughout the rest of the episode, I think they do great stuff with a character. Like, like to be <laughs> to be honest, like the the fandom menace which we have is actually a very small minority. Yeah. But it's a vocal minority. That's it. And that's why we hear them. And Paramount and Baby thought, hold on, we've got all, like they obviously have the real like the fandom menace that have been saying since season one of Discovery <laughs> yeah. that. Star Trek is over. We've now got five seasons on the... Five series on the go. Yeah. So there's obviously a serious amount of people who are watching Star Trek and it's making money. Yeah. Or they wouldn't keep making new series. <laughs> no, exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's their characters. So I think, I think that they're just not interested in what they have to say anymore. I'm, I'm sure they're not, which is fine. It just it, it just annoys me when they get a bit more ammunition anyway. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think that you've got to, like Star Trek was guilty of Paramount of cutting Enterprise too soon. Definitely, yeah. and a lot of that was due to not understanding what internet trolling was about, <laughs> and, a, and a vocal minority swaying what hap- swaying what a company decided to do. Yeah. Well, this is it. I mean, they, you know, it goes on in all sorts of media yeah. and things. And the best thing is to stick to your creative team and let them do what they want to do. Don't. Yeah, and and if if you've got the figures that actually say, well, a hundred people, there's been a hundred posts on Twitter mm-hmm. about how crap it's been, but a hundred million people watched it last week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a bit of a different story. So, so. With the new setup, then Michael's the captain. Is Reese the first officer now? I'm not sure. I'm not it's sure. It's not really mentioned to the first officer because no. she, she made Tilly acting first officer, which I like Tilly, but I disagree with Vanessa being made acting first yeah, officer. Yeah, and that you know that that it doesn't seem to be the case now. She's being promoted to lieutenant. Yeah. Um, and if you look in the end credits, everyone else is now a lieutenant commander. Yeah. Um, Detmer, Owo, Reese, Bryce. Um, so, but Reese is the one who's sitting in the chair while Michael's on the planet. I have a feeling that we're just going to gloss over this until Saru comes back and Saru will be the first officer, but. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But speaking of Saru, down on Kaminar then. At first, and this is my fault, I got confused by this. I was like, what, the friends with the Ba'ul? They've only sort of done anything with them about a year ago, but then I thought, no, it's uh, 930 years. Yeah, it's a 1,000 years. So, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. This is the this is the sprouts of the seeds we planted yeah. back in Season 2. Um, thingy, uh, Kaminar looks really cool, like the underwater thing. It looks a little bit like the Gungan City in Episode 1. Star Wars Episode 1, that yeah. is. Um, but with 20 years advancement in CGI, so it looks a lot better <laughs> than that did. Uh, but certainly the aesthetic is very much like that. And there's a nice bit where there's sort of this debate between isolationism and expanding out, and the this the majority of them seem to be saying, well, we're quite happy here. We, you know, we've got this equilibrium now between the Baal and the yeah, um, the Kelpians. And Saru says, no, you know, there's there's a wider galaxy out there, and we find out that it's been five months, so we've got a bit of a a time jump, which I think was necessary given how much went on last season. I think we needed a bit of a time jump to go, okay, everybody's settled into the rules a little bit yeah. now. And it's calmed down. <clears throat> it's... Yeah, things have moved on in the time we've not been watching. And then there's a, I want to see this happen. Book jokes about getting grudge address uniform. He says, I'll stay if you get grudge address uniform. Now, <laughs> that is, that's a teddy bear waiting to be sold, is that? It, like, it, it is, isn't it? We it's, need that's, grudge. That's another, one of your, that's another one of your toys. Yeah. That's so, going on the shelf with... Um, next to me, Protostar. No, what's it called? The the sort of jelly thing. Oh, Murph. Murph. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. good. That's going to be on the shelf next to 
Murph is grudge in a, in a yeah. uh, dress uniform. We need Murph and we need grudge in a dress uniform. As long as they don't do them at the um, Build-A-Bear workshops, it'll end up costing a fortune. <laughs> and speaking of good toys, there's a little Tribble goes, well, quite a big Tribble, actually, goes past Michael. Um, so maybe Tribbles have no. they, they've sorted out the problems with them, the troubles with them, should we say? Yeah, but... The triple, Tribbles were never an intelligent species. Maybe they are now, a thousand years of evolution. I don't know. You it, never know. It, it, it seemed very odd having a Tribble on board. Yeah, like that. and the fact that she seemed to acknowledge it, like, as though yeah. it were a person. But again, you never know. Um, and then we find out the reopening Starfleet Academy for the first time in 120 years. And I think this is great. This is a lot of stuff like this we talked about last season. Like, we want to see the Federation expanding again. We want to see Starfleet building again. And we're definitely Yeah, they do mention how many uh, races have rejoined the Federation. Yeah, we've gone, from, we've gone from 38 to 59 in five months. So, yeah, that's really good. And, there's and they've, no- got, they've, built, they've got a new space stock. Yeah. The Jonathan Archer space. Yes, which and you and, get and you see that the building starships again. Yeah, which is good. And they're upgrading a lot of them as well. Potentially, it's implied they're upgrading them to use the spore drive, but it's going to take a while. But yeah. in the meantime, they're trying out other things, and the Voyager's going to be the sort of the main ship to do it. And obviously, that plays into the the wider episode later on, but. Um, there's a lovely bit where they play Archer's theme from Enterprise when they announce the Archer space dock. So that's <coughs> really, really good. And we get um, a nice bit where they say it, you know, the mission was scientific exploration and that's what we're going back to. So again, that feels a lot like addressing some of the concerns people had about it. Like, you know, it's been... I'm not saying these concerns were all valid, but a, a lot of the criticism at Discovery was it's too bleak, it's not enough getting out there and exploring. and, and it, Yeah. They're making it clear like, that that's what's going like, to happen. But that wasn't... Like, that's never been the premise of the show, though. No, it's not. And that's what we're going to get when Strange New World airs. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Discovery, um, like DS9 um, was doing... I, it's, like, I've, I think that's unfair criticism of Discovery because Discovery has never been about that. No, I, I agree. It's, um, yeah, like DS9 got a lot of flack at the time for being a yeah. war show, effectively, but DS9's fantastic and there's nothing to say Star Trek can only tell one kind of story. But Well, I think it's proved that it can tell many types of stories. Exactly, we've got you know, as many series as we have. You know, we, we've almost got as many shows on now as we've ever had in the past. You know, that's how, how many different stories we're doing. We're not far yeah. off, I think, one more and it'll tip it one over. More, to, we, one more and it equals it. We've had TOS, TAS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise in the past. Yeah. Are we up to five now of the new Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we're definitely not running out of stories just yet. And <clears throat> then we, we start to get what's presumably going to be the, the big plot thread of the season. So there's a distress call from a planet near Quajon. Book's going back to Quajon anyway, so we're setting up the, the pieces on the chessboard. This is where Book's going to be. This is where Discovery's going to be. And... The president decides she wants to go and she says, I can't ask anyone for a sacrifice I'm not willing to make myself, which is interesting given what happens later on in the episode with Michael um, and her reaction to it. But we'll we'll get to that. Michael thinks well, it's... Well, I agree with the president on this. I know, I, I do. I think the president, what she says to Michael at the end is right. But it's interesting that... She says, I, I wouldn't ask anyone to do a risk I'm not willing to take myself. But yeah. then when Michael steps up to take the risk, she go, she sort of says, are you sure that's the right decision? Shouldn't you be on the bridge? And it's well, like... in mm. that circumstances, she's right because 
I think there's a red is, alert yeah. going on, and she's leaving the she's leaving the ship in danger. But then she's the president of the Federation, and she's off out on what's potentially a dangerous mission. So well, it's kind to of be fair, wondering... the mission that they're going on shouldn't be that dangerous a mission. Shouldn't, but it's kind and, of one and... rule for me, one rule for you. But having said that, a president is a very different job to a captain. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Admiral Silver Daddy Bear, though, and Dr. Squee, you couldn't join us for this episode, so we have to, ma- we have to mention his beaming smile in this scene. <laughs> so he is. He's a happy chappy now. He's back with his family. Everything seems yeah. to be going good for him. So, And him and Michael seem to be getting on much better as well. Though There was a bit of frostiness last season, but we seem to be, we seem to be getting there now. And then... I thought, and I'm glad it wasn't the case, I thought Buck and his family was going to be a big multi-episode thing. Like, when it sets it up, like, I'm back on here, I'm doing this ceremony for my nephew, we're doing all this stuff with the tree sap, but he doesn't have a necklace, and they say, that's a story for another time. It's like, let's not eke that out. Like, like if yeah, that's important, can we just find out what it is? I'm not. I'm Just not that us. I'm not that invested in it. I don't want a I don't want a novel about why Buck doesn't have a thing. Either either do it or not. And this was one of the elements I wasn't that much of a fan of the first time. So I was like, I'm I like Buck as a character. I'm just not that interested in what's going on on his home planet, which as it turns out, I didn't need to worry about by the time we get to the not end of the all. episode. So yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely fine. Um, His own planet gets dealt with. It does indeed. <laughs> so the station then is spinning like crazy. There's a massive gravitational disturbance. And <clears throat> we do this thing of like playing with language again because he says, the commander guy says, one of our guys has said it's a shit show, which they tell me means um, really bad. So yeah, that's right. And then... He says it's all squiddled, and that, that's obviously one of his species' yeah. words. And I, ju- I just like that that play on, even like it had with the, the aliens at the start, even though we've got a universal translator, not everything has a perfect translation, and there's always going to be little bits here and there that have different that meanings. Make, yeah, mean different things. And... It's, it's like yeah. with... Um, like the example that's often used is like Eskimos have so many different words for snow, and like in in England we've got so many different words for rain because we get that much rain, whereas some yeah. other countries that are warm <laughs> probably just call it rain. So I, I I just like that stuff that it's playing with this idea of that there is still room for misunderstanding, and um, we get a few like character beats on Discovery. Owo and Detmer have got this sort of playful rivalry, like, well, can you do this? Well, of course I can, but you'll need to do this first. And <laughs> I like I like that between them two. It's it's really clear how close they are and how well they work together and everything. And then we're reintroduced to Adira and Grey. And Adira, we now find, find out, is an ensign now. Michael's made her an ensign. So everybody's basically had a promotion in between seasons. Yeah, yeah and everyone is part of the crew apart from Saroon now, by yeah. the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, and Grey's still there. Obviously, we know that Grey, them finding some way of making Grey corporeal is going to be a, a big thing. We don't spend a lot of time on it this week, but it's, it's a reminder that he's there and we're going to come back to that at some point. And then something a bit weird happens. This is something I noticed a couple of times this episode. And I, I think I've got a headcanon explanation. Tilly and Adira beam down to the station. And they beam off of the bridge wearing the normal uniforms. But when they rematerialise, they're wearing sort of like the space suit type things. Yeah. And I'm assuming that the transporter changes your clothes for you. Kind of like when Batman and Robin used to go down the pole and they'd come out at the bottom. In well, the they used, have, they used to press a switch. I, on the I way know, down. I know, they had a big switch. Back costumes and instant or 
go back up to instant normal yeah. clothes. Exactly. So I'm assuming it's a similar sort of deal here. So we get a sudden costume change. And then... Yeah, it, like, it definitely happened during transport. It must have so. done, yeah. And, and it's, it's a good idea if, if that's what's going on. It makes perfect sense to go, you've been in, in this well, situation, here's the outfit you need. Well, one of the very early scenes in Discovery, season one, <coughs> is the replicator making the uniform. Yes, yeah. And this is a progression in technology that the transporter, yeah, I can make a uniform, but I don't need time to do it anymore. I can just do it like that while you Yeah, do it instantly. Oh, that's a good, an interesting idea. Yeah, these uniforms didn't even exist before they beamed down and then... Yeah, they've yeah. been replicated onto them. Yeah, I like that. And down on the station then, first of all, there's a really cool special effects going on where you've got half of them standing on the ceiling and half of them standing <laughs> yeah. on the floor. I really enjoy that. I thought this commander was going to turn out to be a baddie just because straight away he's like, no, you're not doing that. I want to do that. It's my station. I need to do this. And I thought, oh, it's going to be that he's doing something dodgier and they've, yeah, lo they've yeah, lowered him here. I thought that first. It was just, it was just the red herring. Yeah, it was. But, yeah, you think, oh, it's going to be that he's lowered him here so that he can get the... the um, programmable matter so he can do something yeah. nefarious but it's not you're right it's just a red herring so and then this is where you start to realize why this is this episode's called kobayashi maru because it just goes just escalates and escalates and gets worse and worse and worse the situation we've got more degree in it they need to evacuate but the transporters don't work but they've got a little shuttle but it's only a one-way shuttle so we need to reprogram it but then when we reprogram it, it gets stuck anyway, so we need someone to go externally to free it up. And this is the bit we talked about earlier where Michael says, well, I'll go do it because I've got worker bee experience. I've got the most experience in worker bee. And, and the president rightly so goes, is that the right decision? And it isn't the right decision because she's the captain. In a red alert situation, a ship's been hit, a ship's under mm. under well not under attack, but it's been hit by frozen methane. Yeah. It's there's explosions going off. She's got an away team on the station as well that she needs to worry about. Yeah. And she's leaving the bridge in the command to someone else. Yeah, no, I mean you can see both sides of it because everything you said there is absolutely right. On the other hand, if Michael is the most experienced, then she might be the best pit, but it's one of them where... Riker wouldn't have let her leave the, the ship. Riker wouldn't have done, but Riker would have done it Kirk himself. it'd have been off like a shot. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Kirk would have done it. Um, Janeway wouldn't have even reached there because there was a nebula on the way. <laughs> yeah, Janeway would have stopped, <laughs> yeah. They'd have still been back on Sakal's planet because that was just a massive nebula um, that would have been last. Who knows them. with uh, Cisco what he'd have done? Yeah, Cisco, it, it depended whether he had a beard or not and whether he had his head shaved or not. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's one of them, but the lesson, I think this season's arc for Michael is going to be learning to be a better captain. And, yeah. And it's good and that they're doing like, this. This is also going to sort of put the fandom menace in the place yeah. as well because she's been pulled for doing it wrong. Yeah. And, and rightly so. And, and it's that first little seed of that being said. Yeah. And this is good as well because we talked at length last season about it, it just seemed to come out of nowhere a little bit because Michael had been sort of a most insubordinate in season three and then finishes the season as captain. Yeah. And I'm happy for her to be the captain, but it just felt weird the way they did it in season three. But I like the fact that now that she is the captain, they're going to explore that and they're going to explore this idea of how good a captain is she and what are her rough edges and how is she going to get better at it? And that's what ultimately comes of this episode is the president says, yeah, you, you're a perfectly good captain, but you're not what we need for this mission that I'm looking at. I'm happy, yeah. I'm happy for but you to be the you captain. But did you think Michael sounded petulant, though, when she found out that she wasn't going to get Oh, yeah. Shit? 
A it's little there. bit. Well, I won't want it anyway. I want to stay on Discovery because that's my ship. Yeah. <laughs> it's but again, that's part of the learning curve, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah, no, you you've got to learn when you're in the wrong and when you could have made a better decision. And I think that's what we're gonna do with Michael this season. And I do like all the interplay between her and the president, like when she asks her if she was lying or not, and the president more or less shuts her down, says, you know, does it matter whether I was or not? It got the job done because the guy was there pulling a gun on Tilly and Adira and the president talked him down. And yeah. I think I want to see more of, I don't know if we're going to get it, but more of the president and Michael because they, they're obviously both on the same side. They obviously both have the same goals ultimately in mind, but they're coming at it from different perspectives. Different, different uh, sides. <laughs> and they've got different ideas on how to do their jobs. And I think that's going to be really interesting to, to explore as we go along. But we also get sudden costume change number two here. Because Michael's in the worker bee, and then the next second she's on the bridge in a normal uniform. So I'm assuming, again, she's done a, a personal transport and it switched yeah, it up for her. It, it, the transport's got to be replicating uniforms appropriate. Yeah, which is a really cool feature, and I think we... It's, it, it's got to have um, dress for your day functionality yeah exactly and it'd be cool you know you're finishing work you're meeting your mates down the pub just bump there we go yeah. i'm in my casual clothes when i leave work excellent um back to book then very briefly the birds are all falling from the sky and then the moon explodes and we don't see him again until right at the end and the main interesting stuff here i think is from the president and Michael. First of all, they have this thing about you can't always beat the odds. And Michael says, well, we have before, but that doesn't mean you're invulnerable. And that's getting at the nub of it again, isn't it? It's It, it does come down to the Kobayashi Maru thing. It's, you know, there are no-win scenarios. There's no-win situations. And this time, they pull it off, but there's nothing to say you'd be able to do that again. And this does make me worry that Michael's going to lose someone this season. and Because of this. Because of it. So she learns the hard lesson. It's, yeah. And it'd have to be, I think, in order for us to care enough about it, it'd have to be either Buck or Tilly or Saru. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe... Yeah, because they can't, do, they can't pull another Ariane on us. No. Someone that, oh, we have to find out how... We're, Loads about them, because they've left it too long now. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, may maybe it'll be that she doesn't lose someone and she makes the right call to stand down and something really bad happens, but she's made the right call. I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested in this character arc and where we're going to go with it. I do wish, though, they'd had a little... They'd dropped a line in where the president's talking to Michael about the Kobayashi Maru. It'd have been great if Michael had said, well, of course I know about it. My brother designed it. <laughs> and you know, and that would have been nice because we don't know Spock designed it in the Prime timeline, but we do know he designed it in the Kelvin timeline. Well, so... he, he, he designed the one that Kirk went on in the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't think he designed it in the Prime. No. I, well, he maybe designed that one that we saw in... Uh, Warp of Khan. Yeah. Oh, it's never. Yeah, it's but never been. There's never been other versions of it. Yeah, but I, I would have liked it. That'd have been nice if they'd have thrown that in, and, it, and Michael yeah. could have got one over on the president there. Um, and then the president says it's it's all about balance, and that that ties back to what Sukal says to um, Saru earlier in the episode. He says you can achieve a balance because you, you can go out in the world, but you can also be here because of the communications we've got now and everything. So I feel like they're trying to create a link there between Saru and Sakal and the president and Michael. Um, whether we'll build on that later on, I don't know. 
And then I think the scene with Michael and the president, the sort of the penultimate scene of the episode is really good because this is where it gets to all this stuff we've been talking about. Like she's basically saying, yeah, I'm not considering you for the Voyager captaincy anymore because you, you've not shown me you can make the hard decision for the right reasons. Yeah. And you've, you've got this loss in your past and it makes you want to save everybody but you can't afford to be doing that as a captain. And I think that's great that that's what we're going to explore with Michael. And when... Well, we think we're going to explore with Michael. You never know. <laughs> no, you never know. It could be thrown away next week and we never come back to it. But um, <laughs> I did get the feeling, though, that this is laying groundwork for that being Michael's character yeah, act this like, season. You've got to hope that anything that's shown that when they know they're writing a series-long story, that you don't start acts and then just throw them away. No, exactly. And it, it it was a bit stop and start with Michael last season, I felt. Like, they, they did... It started off positioning her to become, like, a great leader, but then it took a few back steps. And then, as a result, by the time we got there, it didn't feel as earned as it probably should have no. done. And... It's the same mistake as going going back to the Kelvin films where Kirk got promoted really quickly, but then in Into Darkness they demoted him again to promote him again. And yeah, it's it's, it's like don't don't do these stop star arcs, just do a character arc, and it's yeah, it's like, almost like okay, okay, Captain Kirk did get demoted in the Prime Universe, but not until. <laughs> the end of Star Trek Four after he'd had all of the original series. Exactly, yeah. There was a really good reason why he got demoted. Yeah, yeah, he went back exactly. to the same spot twice. Exactly. And it felt like with Into Darkness, it felt like, right, we've heard your criticism about how fast he got promoted, we're gonna deal with it in the next film. And it's almost the same thing again here, like we've heard your criticism about her becoming the captain, we're gonna deal with it after the fact now. And even though I'm I'm really excited to see where this story arc goes, you could have done this story last season and not painted yourself into a corner where you need to do yeah. it. Having said that, I do think this is a really solid, good start to the season, if not as spectacular as what we've had previously <laughs> in Discovery. And then, of course, that right at the end, Quajon's been destroyed... And presumably, this is going to lead to whatever the... Well, they say that there's gravimetric disturbance. Yeah. Similar to what they had at the space station there, but that's light years away. Yeah, exactly. So it's obviously something big that's moving pretty quick. I know there's been speculation that it might be Vija. Um, yeah. I like, mean, I'd hope that... I'd hope that they'd do something original. I would hope so, and... It's one of them that every time there's a big anomaly, there's always the fan theory that it's Vija. So, yeah. who knows? Um, but I'm interested to like, find out. Like, to be fair, like, I love the motion picture, but you can see why people call it the motion picture. And it's oh, definitely. Long. Um, maybe to redeem that thing, but they re really need it. No, the thing is, Vija... Vija's story's done. It's learned everything it can possibly learn in our universe, so it had to go to other dimensions. So yeah. there'd be no reason for it to come back now. Um, and if you want your follow-ups on Vija, there's loads of novels, loads of comics. But yeah, I'd rather this was something new and interesting. Something, yeah, I'd like it to be something new. And they have said in like the publicity for the season, it's going to be something quite different. It's going to be, it's not going to be an enemy as such. It's going to be a, a scientific problem that they need to solve. And I'm I'm up for that. I'm interested in yeah. that storyline as well. I hope that it's not another. This is a thing that's going Burn. to destroy the whole galaxy. You know, I we did that in season two. I don't. We did it in Picard season one. We did it uh, to an extent in season three. Yeah, I, I don't feel like we need to go there again. It, we can have something that could cause serious problems, but let's not have it's going to destroy the whole universe because yeah. you end up getting it. So Russell T. Davis's Doctor Who run fell into this. It was like, you know, the, 
the finale of every season, it was either the Daleks or it was the Cybermen or it was the Master or it was a combination of all three and it was always, it's going to destroy the whole of time or it's going to destroy the whole of the universe or it's going to destroy... And you can have lower stakes and still have great drama, so yeah, I'd be quite happy with that this season, <coughs> um, which you'll be able to watch it on Pluto TV if you're not in America, so apart from apologies to people in the Netherlands. Um, but So we won't need to use the Bajoran militia next week, but we will be back to talk about episode two of um, Discovery season four. In the meantime, then, if you want to get in touch with us, it's at RetrekPod on Twitter, RetrekPod at gmail.com, um, or come and join us on the Facebook page and let us know what you thought about the, the start of Season 4 of Discovery, though. I would strongly or recommend... What you thought, or what you thought of their Prodigy so far. Yeah, tell us what, what's, the, what's the drive from Prodigy, what's going on with that. Where are they going to be next season? They're off the map. Are they going to be back in the Alpha Quadrant? Is that where we're going to see Captain Chakotay? So, I still think he's ought to be a flashback and he's to blame I for think, them yeah. being lost. I'm going with that, definitely. Sort of thing Chakotay would do. Um, how awesome would it be, though? I mean, it won't happen. But if next episode, next episode of Discovery, the crew of Prodigy turn up in live action and that's where the drive's taken them, it's taking them to the future and back to the Alpha Quad. And yeah, how mind blowing would that be if they just did no, that all just, of a sudden? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that'd be so awesome. Like, <laughs> like I keep saying, these the um, ability now for the animation to come into life. Actually, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Star Wars are doing it. Uh, I read the other day they've cast someone as Sabine Wren for the Ahsoka series. Yeah. So, you know, we can do this sort of thing. Let's do it. Let's have a crazy crossover. The, <laughs> Arrow, the Arrowverse does a crazy crossover every year. Um, <laughs> so Star Trek's about due one. We've, we've never, yeah, ever like, had. With five, with five series on the go. Yeah. They've almost got to be looking at a crossover yeah, somehow. Yeah, we, we've never really done a mega, mega crossover. Like, it's been one or we two haven't... characters here and there. But if you're going to have a threat that's going to destroy the universe, let's have Picard and the La Serena, Pike and the Enterprise, Michael and the Discovery. Discovery. The protostar comes into it. Let's, ju- let's have them all. Freeman swoops in and... <laughs> She saves the day. Yeah. Cerritos actually is the one that saves it all, shows them all how it needs to be done. But, yeah, let's do that. That would be awesome. Anyway, we'll see what happens next week. I don't. We probably won't see the Prodigy characters, but you never know. It's wishful thinking, isn't it? Yeah, it's I not think gonna so. <laughs> Maybe next year. Anyway, thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on The Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.